right, so Proverbs chapter 1, we continue through. We'll start there in verse 29. As you're turning there, uh, for those of you that, that shift your Sunday morning services to and fro, depending on what's going on, just want to give you a heads up uh, that our very own uh, Elder Nate will be preaching Sunday morning next week at the 1045 service. And so, uh, I know that's all you got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least my wife, you know, did a little woohoo for you there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was prepping her for that all week. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Nate's going to be preaching the 1045 service. And so uh, that'll be a great opportunity. This is his first Sunday morning uh, sermon. He's preached on Sunday evenings a number of times. And so uh, who's, who's preaching the 8:30? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my children's sleep schedule says it does. Well, like I said, if you, th- th- that was just for if you were people that that do shift which one you come to. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not supportive, yeah, you don't care at all about our brother. Pastor will preach the eight thirty, but that doesn't matter on that part. Nate's preaching the ten forty five in that. Alita. What's your topic, Nate? He hasn't decided yet. I'm not sure. No. Um, <laughs> Trust me, he has it. I'll figure, I'll figure it out Saturday night. <laughs> if he hadn't, he'd be in very trouble. Yeah. Uh, Samson. It's on the story of Samson. Yeah. Let's go walk through different points in his life. So it'll be a different type of sermon. So, and then Elder uh, Mike Germany is going to be preaching then on Sunday evening. We'll be walking through a passage in Hebrews. Uh, that's coming up next week. want to give you that alert uh, so that you could plan accordingly if you have that opportunity. But if your children lock you in at the 830 service, you know, it's okay. One of the five usually does. <laughs> it's okay. All right. So we're finishing up uh, this paragraph. Somebody go ahead and start us off, though. Let's go back and reread from 20 the whole way through the end of the chapter there at 33. So we're we're making sure our context, we're understanding everything. Wisdom cries without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates in the city, she uttereth her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning? And fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set it now, and counsel, and would not of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. (coughs) When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel, they despise all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruits of their own way, they will be filled with their own devices. For the turning of the way of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whose hearketh unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Okay. 
So what is the key that we have to remember contextually about this paragraph? Wisdom personified. Okay, it is wisdom personified. So what does it mean that wisdom is being personified by Solomon? It's given the attributes of a human without being a human. Yeah, so when something inanimate, you know, it's not human, is given the attributes, it's given the opportunity to be expressed in terms like it is human. So we go back up, let's back up one last time here. So when we look at the beginning of chapter 1, the first thing that Solomon is doing, he's painting this picture of where he's going. All right, And so we get this overview. And then he starts into it with his son, all right, there on verse 8, and he gives the first charge. Interestingly enough, now he gives this extra little caveat, wanting to make sure that his son and every other reader has the understanding that wisdom is something that we interact with. The way God uses wisdom within our relationship with Him, it's not that it's a stagnant object. It's something that we can push into or we can push away from as we push into God or we pull away from God. And so it's something that He has out there as an opportunity for us as believers, but yet we can choose not to engage it. And so the way I think about, we know that salvation is a gift of God. You know, it's pure grace. We're saved by grace. And so we get eternal life, life everlasting. But then we also get this abundant life if we want to engage that abundant life. And so to me, that's the way I'm looking at wisdom. Wisdom can help us have a more abundant life. It can help us to live out more fruitfully from a spiritual perspective. Or, if we stop it, then as believers we're going to be living on minimum. And I think this is partially why many believers struggle. Because they check the box of Jesus as Savior, but yet, as Pastor was saying this morning, they don't want to give authority to Jesus as Lord, and so... They're living their life on human strength, human wisdom, human understanding. And you're basically living life like a lost person. And so as we work through the wisdom here, I think Solomon really wants us to understand that through our relationship, through the Holy Spirit, even though this is Old Testament, we read the Old Testament with now an understanding of we're in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit, So we get the opportunity to read this and gain this wisdom through growing in our Christ-likeness. So now, let's go ahead and let's finish up that last paragraph as wisdom is being personified. Somebody go ahead and hit us with 29 and 30. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Okay, so we got it. And if then, so so what's the if part? What's the first part being stated? They're not choosing to fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Okay, great place. 
Believing he exists first and foremost. Doing what it says. Okay, doing what it says, being obedient. Oh, you, were just, you were just nodding. I thought you, I thought you had something wrong there. Respecting him. Okay, having a respect of God. Revering. Ooh, that's a big word there. That's a $10 word. Yeah, <laughs> What's revere mean for Nate? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to hold in high regard um, as, as being excellent. Okay, as being excellent. I like that. What else is in fear of God? What does that mean, living in fear of God from this perspective? To understand that we do not control our own lives, not the beginning and not the end, okay. and nothing in the middle. Okay. Also Understanding that he's God is the judge and that you can punish. Mm-hmm. Somebody over here was saying. Sorry, I was saying also to love him. Yes. When we are to fear God, does that mean that we should be living in trepidation? No. Sometimes. Sometimes. Well, yeah, if you're being disobedient, then yeah, definitely sometimes. But we have to understand, if we're striving to be in Christ's likeness, it's not like we should be shaking on every decision. You know, we should be trusting the Holy Spirit on every decision. And if we've got a track record that we're pretty good at trusting the Holy Spirit, then we don't have to be, ah, but we still always have a healthy, you know. But he knows where our heart is. Oh, yes. make a mistake. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it starts off there in verse 29 and says, uh, because they hated knowledge, they did not choose to fear the Lord. All right. So then... What's the consequence? What was next there? What are they missing out on? Godly counsel. So what does it mean to have godly counsel? What's that look like in your life if you're getting godly counsel? Isn't it a two, uh, a two avenue approach? Mm-hmm. One being the Holy Spirit being in tune mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit and yes. having gaining counsel through that, but then also gaining counsel from godly people around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in Proverbs, it's going to talk about you know the wisdom being uh, personified in the, you know the silver hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so gaining or or trusting in the counsel of people that God has put in your life who either have been there and done that or are just generally wise people. Good. Somebody else. How does gaining that godly counsel look to you, Adam? I would say that it's uh, closing our ears, not being able to hear what it is that he's trying to, what he would be telling us. So we need to be opening them to be able to hear that godly counsel. Somebody else, how does getting godly counsel look in your life? Being in the Word. Okay, being in the Word. Setting aside your pride and letting God guide you, okay. that he knows better than me. <laughs> Sharing yeah. life's hardships with people, with seeking godly counsel. Yeah. It might also mean to be comforted by God uh, when you're in trouble, or when you're in hard times. Mm-hmm. So, so back to Kathy said, he knows when you're in those hard times when you're troubled, but yet, if you're not willing to lower your pride mm-hmm. and go to him and say, God, you know, I need your help right now because I'm in this, then you're, set, you're, you're, you're stopping him from comforting you. Anybody else on how that looks in your life when you're getting counseled from God? Uh, I think it's just kind of like um, 
Whatever, like, you know, just like a simple prayer does not make you saved. And all this is basically, and uh, the focus is uh, believe in God. So if you truly believe in God, uh, then you know, like, the grasp of everything. He sees everything. He knows everything. And so then your godly counsel would just do everything that would honor God because he sees all. And if you know the power that God has, then your godly counsel, you're going to continually strive to, to do better and to be better because, you know, and then you'll just be walking in that, in that way in the spirit that, that honors God. And to me, that is like the godly counsel. Just, just giving up, like she said, with your pride and everything, and just following, like, discipline, and that would be godly counsel. Because we do have to admit, it is kind of silly that we say, yeah, God, I trust you with my eternity, but yet right now, even though you know everything, okay, I really think I know better than you, and so I'm going to control what's next. That's really kind of silly. I think for me it's about surrounding myself with godly people who hold me accountable and so that's what what I do I mean I read the word yes but there are times starting with my wife of course um, that's a given that's a given yeah you didn't have to stay we all knew that's a a given but but aside from her there there are others who they don't tell me, you know, what I want to hear, right? They tell me what I need to hear, right? And so that I, I got to have that or else I, I can go off the rails, you know? So, All right. To be able to take God's reproof, yeah. where do we need to start? Just like we started the fear with humble, God exists. To be able to accept his reproof, where do we need to start? Say it again? Yeah. When we have a decision, we got to realize, you know, are we going to want to experience his reproof or not experience his reproof? And experiencing his reproof is he wants us to be better. You know, he wants us to be more like Jesus. He wants us to be more godly on that. And so we have to be humble um, to desire that. Okay. Somebody go ahead and read us 31 now. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. So, uh, Maddie. Uh, even though it was her first Sunday here, she quoted Pastor, uh, and then he said it just the other day again. Uh, he, I don't know that he says it every day, but he says it many days uh, in conversation here. Uh, what, what's that little mantra that we need to clearly understand when it comes to fruit? Say it. Yeah, you reap what you sow. Sowing and reaping. You know, as believers, we have to understand that. Now, unbelievers also... Uh, but I'm giving you guys the benefit of the doubt in the room on here. You know, I'm coming at you that you are a believer, uh, praying all the while. If you're not, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction on you. So as believers, we have to understand that we have eternal life. Yes. God wants to give us an abundant life here. But yet whether we experience that abundant life is going to be on to us if we're obeying, we're surrendering or not. What are we sowing? Okay. So... When, when it talks about that sowing and reaping, or in here, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way. So the, the sowing and the way. What is that talking about? What part of our life is the way that's being referenced here or the sowing? Choices. Choices? 
Okay. Lifestyle. Anybody else want to add in? The decision to either accept and walk in the wisdom of the, of the Lord or to reject it. Okay. The consequences of that. Okay. Ultimately, when it comes to the way or the sowing, how much of our 24-7 does that take up? <laughs> yeah. 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 We have to understand that there's not like this moment like today on Sunday morning, you know, you came at 8.20 and you were in the worship service and then now you're here in Sunday school and then you're going to leave here at uh, 9 or 10.45 uh, on that and this was your sowing time for the week and then the rest of the week that it's going to be reaping time. Because sadly, sometimes, you know, none of you, of course, you know, but I know you know some dear brothers and sisters that that's how they look at their life. You know, they come on Sunday morning, they plug in. Here's where they're sowing with God. They're worshiping God. And then the rest of the week, they just want to be reaping. But that's not reality. You know, we have to constantly understand that every moment is a moment of sowing and reaping. And that what we sow on Monday morning is what we're going to be reaping. What we sow Monday noontime is what we're going to be reaping Monday evening. And so we just have to constantly understand that <clears throat> our way is every way, every day, every moment on that. Uh, when we were reading that verse, uh, I thought about Romans 1. And uh, there's a part, verse 28, where keep in mind at this point they've traded a truth for a lie so very tied into that and it says uh and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to their debased mind to do the things which are not fitting and then lists like a ton of like horrible things uh who knowing uh the righteous judgment of god that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of them who practice them so there's a moment in time where the Lord, if you choose to reject his, the wisdom, you choose to reject the, the, the Lord as, as God, and then you're given over to your things that you do. Yeah. And so that's where we have to understand there's a macro picture of this, and then every moment of every day is a micro picture of this. You know, so we can see macro, a lost person, they deny God. Okay, you know, there's no relationship there. Condemned to hell. Eternal separation from God. But even within a believer's life, if we live like a lost person, then we're going to be experiencing that every moment when we make those choices. And it's hard. Yeah, because the second one I thought about was numbers, where they were like rejecting and they kept whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, you want quail? I'm going to give you so much quail, it's coming out your nostrils. And because they weren't relying on him. So, yeah, in both cases. Yeah. Okay, somebody go ahead and read us 32. For the simple are killed by turning away, and the complacency of fools destroy them. For the simple. So, so, so who's being referenced here? Who? who said. Why? Okay. Why do you think that the term simple is being used to reference those that are not fearing God, those that are rejecting God. Because it's easy to 
project God, and it's complex to accept him. Yeah. I think that's super relevant in today's society, too. Most of the people I talk to are circumferentially about faith or church or religion or however you want to wrap what we do here is a very much a very simplistic view of well well I, I just don't subscribe to that or like I just I just I just don't I'm not really into that or I just don't want to entertain those thoughts really it's just a complete kind of avoidance of the whole thing and it's just this kind of viewpoint of like well that that really doesn't that probably just doesn't even matter or it just doesn't exist or something very very simple viewpoint mm-hmm. Somebody else want to add in? Yeah, because we had fools earlier on in the passage a few Sundays ago. Somebody else? Complacency. And here the fools come in on this one. So what does it mean to be complacent? Complacency of a fool. Stuck in neutral. Stuck in neutral? Okay. Is there okay with being a fool? Yeah. Yeah. Not wanting to grow in the Lord or just have a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So if we think through that, if we're a believer but we don't want to grow in the Lord, What's the question that we do need to ask ourselves? Yes. The pastor talked about this last Sunday. You know, we always have to understand that Jesus as our personal Savior and Jesus as our personal Lord are bound together. Okay? That, that is His identity. When you say, I'm accepting Him as my Savior at this point in life, and then at some point later on, I will or I did accept him as Lord, then you're bivocating, okay? You're separating, you're dividing Jesus' identity. We can't do that. We don't have that power or that option to separate him being Savior and Lord. No matter what we choose to do, he's, he's, he's both at the same time for those that believe in Him and surrender to Him. Now, can you surrender to Him as Savior and Lord but continue to be disobedient? Unfortunately, yes. You can to some extent, but yet there's some extent that you can't and you need to be asking for clarification you know, on that. Uh, because that, that's a challenging spot where we can't speak that to you where you are with God, yeah, right. but you can, as Nate was saying earlier, your spirit talking to the spirit will either bring you assurance or help you to understand you have zero assurance. That maybe you did have a head knowledge of belief. Maybe all of a sudden something was very new and it was interesting and it hit home and you're like, man, that makes a lot of sense. And so that's where, oh, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. So logically it made sense, but yet 
You never gave him the authority. You never surrendered. You never believed within you. It, it just made humanistic sense on that. And so that's where we get Matthew 7 Christians. And we've talked about these before. You know, this is a passage that you know challenges me greatly. Why does Matthew 7 Christians challenge me greatly? Those that know me well enough. Those people were in the church, they were prophesying, they were casting out demons, they were doing various things, but when they stand before God, the great white throne judgment, they're going to say, he's going to say, I, I never knew you. Yeah, you, you say you knew that, but we didn't know each other. Yeah, you, think, church. You, you think, you know, these people were coming to Jesus, they're expecting to be welcomed into eternity with him, and he says no. And then they list off this list. You know, well, we were in Mike's Sunday school class. You know, we were listening to Pastor uh, you know, Sean preach every Sunday morning at 8.30 because that's what our children locked us into. <laughs> even, when, even, when a dear, even when a dear brother... Uh, <laughs> man. Wow. What is going on? We've got to be a little more transparent and realize, you know, are we really surrendering Jesus as Savior and Lord or not? And that goes back to then that complacency. We're never to be complacent as believers. Now, does that mean that we will never experience a valley? No. We'll experience a valley. There will be times of disobedience as believers. But the goal is always that we recover through obedience back on the incline of growing in our sanctification, growing in our Christ-likeness, you know, and then the, the, the dips, the valleys become smaller, shorter, and more time in between them as we become more Christ-like. As humans, we're never going to be perfectly like Christ and walk on water. But yet, we should be really getting more and more Christ-like. And we should be able to look back and look at specific areas, look at specific types of decision-making, and we should be able to see how we're making much more Christ-like thinking decisions, how we're being more. So like Pastor, when he talks about you know having secret racism of some sort, we have to understand, most people in the world, you were born into a context of some type of racism. And you need to own that and then allow the Holy Spirit to bring you out of that. And you should be able to look back and see markers of how God grew you in Christ out of that. And how you made different decisions, you acted differently along the way. Handling money. You should be able to look at how you have handled money as a believer. And see that you're handling it more and more Christ-like. And you should be able to see how you're doing it differently. How you did it when the first year you were a believer, five years into being a believer, ten years into believe, being a believer. And so we should continually be seeing that. We shouldn't be satisfied with being complacent in any way. That, that's just foolishness. Nate. You know, you're talking about, um, it says, for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But like if you go back to verse 20, so wisdom is crying out aloud, right? It's, 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 it's crying out in the streets, it's crying out in the marketplaces, in the city gates, all these places where there are all kinds of people there. 
And so it's like the gospel call. It's like us, like we're in the streets, we're in the city gates, we're in these places, we're in the world, and we're, we should be that message, right, of the gospel of wisdom. But the world is foolish, and they are complacent in their foolishness, right, because it seems right to them as we once were too, right? We, we thought that the Christians would come to me. I thought they were foolish. I thought what they were saying just didn't make any sense or it just seemed, what's the point? I'm kind of enjoying where I am right now. You know what I mean? So, so, that, so I was simple because that seemed right. It's, you know, once I became a believer, then my eyes were open and I saw, no, that is foolish. So to the foolish, it doesn't seem foolish. To the simple, it doesn't seem simple. It seems right to them. You know what I mean? So, but there are consequences, and that's what you know. There are consequences for foolishness and being simple. So, even, even yeah. again, even as believers, if we're walking the path like an unbeliever, we're going to be receiving those consequences. You know, when you're not in God's Word regularly, you know, when you're not hanging out with fellow believers and letting them speak into your life regularly, right. you know, you're going to be at a loss. Mary. No, it doesn't really have to be the class, but at the same time, what Nate just said is like this is why we must stay in prayer because they don't realize we did not realize we were foolish people. So us as a congregation, as believers in Christ and God, as our everything, we need to continuously pray that the Lord will take the steps of the hearts in the palms of their ears. And give them a heart of flesh Amen. to worship and glorify. And a big part of that, oh, I'm sorry. And a big part of that is what Adam said earlier about us listening. You know, we, we have to understand that prayer is two directional conversation. It's not just us going down through our checklist of wants. We're to do that, we're to put our life before God. But yet, there's this other part of prayer that is that listening. You know, that we're pausing and that we're really wanting to hear back from God. Because that's when He's going to give us His Word. That's when He's going to give us His wisdom that then we can plug it into the situation where we are. That's where that will remove our scales. It's not us removing our scales. It's if we're listening to God, then He'll remove our scales. That's when we surrender, be still, and listen. Yes. So last verse there, verse 33. But whoever listens... Pretty good there. <clears throat> to me, uh, will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Man, that, that should pump you up. I mean, that is a promise there that we need to take out today. If we will just listen, He's going to secure everything. Now, here's where we have to make sure, make sure we understand. In a fallen, broken world, does that mean everything going on around us will be great? No. No. <laughs> no. But yet, in the midst of the chaos of the world, if we're listening to Him, He's going to have us secure and then without dread of disaster. You know, that, that should just give us, again, great confidence, great peace, uh, just great understanding that when we're fearing Him, we're not going to be in trepidation, though. It's not going to be like every decision, you know. No, we don't have to fear disaster. We don't have to fear, oh, well, that could go wrong. It might in a fallen, broken world. But yet, we're going to give God the benefit of the doubt that He's going to work it out and He's going to hold us safe and secure. And so this week, you know, a lot of times I challenge you on, you know, sinful things and, and working that side of it. 
This week, I just want to challenge you on feeling secure in God. And just, just listen so that you can have that peace this week. And we'd just love to hear some people uh, next Sunday that you were able to do that this week, that you listened and you felt God's peace, you felt secure, you weren't fearing disaster uh, at the next turn. So, let me pray. Father, I ask that you would help each of us this week to listen to you. That we would truly just trust that you have a word for us and that through us listening, you will secure us, you will keep us safe, you will keep us close to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Great discussion again today. Great points.